Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. The occasion that the Lord is setting up against the Philistines, and we got to get in there secretly. And so I know it says that Samson and his parents went to Timnah together, but apparently that when the lion attacked, his parents had proceeded onward to complete the betrothal agreement. They all went to Timnah, but this was at a point when Samson was by himself when his parents weren't there. And so his parents weren't there to witness this lion attack. They don't know that he tore this lion apart. Samson's not letting anybody know what the Lord has empowered him to do. He's in stealth mode. I call myself the stealth mode pastor because sometimes new people come in. They're like, hi, we're looking for the pastor. And I say, I'm him. And they look me up and down like you. (laughs) I'm the stealth pastor. You don't see me coming. (laughs) He didn't want the word getting out that he's capable of fighting like this. He needs to get deep into Philistine territory. And so the reason he didn't say anything about the lion is is because he's going to use the element of, of surprise. And so Samson speaks with the woman that he is betrothed to, and she pleased him well. He's like, okay, this is going to work. So things are getting set up right now for him to infiltrate the Philistines deep within their own family structure. Well, you want to do some damage, get in deep. And that's where he's going. He's marrying in. Judges 14 and 8. After some time when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Well, gosh, if I did that, you wouldn't want to hear about it either, would you? (laughs) I can see Joanna. I'm not eating that. You got that out of a what? So... Samson's (laughs) Samson's <laughs> pick on the germaphobe. That's what I do. So Samson's betrothal, that's like an engagement, but it's much stronger than being engaged. It's like it's like you're practically already married now, a betrothal. His betrothal is all set up for him and this Philistine woman in Timnah, they're they're gonna marry. So he goes back to get her. Meaning that he's on his way to be married. He's now on his way to the wedding ceremony. But when he gets this honey, he doesn't tell his parents where he got it from. Well, sure, if I dug honey out of a dead animal and handed it to you, would you eat it? No, but there's a little more to it than just that. Sounds gross, but that's not the reason why Samson didn't say anything. Remember, Samson is a Nazarite. He has taken the Nazarite vow. And as a Nazarite, they cannot come into contact with a dead body or else they become ceremonially unclean. Where is Samson headed right now? He's headed to get married. You can't get married ceremonially unclean. So he doesn't tell anybody that he stuck his hands in a lion's body and dug honey out of it. 
uh, that would have made him unclean and that would invalidate him from being able to participate in the wedding. Now, Ray Sampson's acting like a real weird case here. Yeah, he is. He is. Let's just keep going. But if they found out the whole, about the lion's carcass, the whole wedding is off because Sam, Samson would have been unclean. Now, the Lord is maneuvering Samson into the middle of the Philistines, into the midst of them, through this wedding. And so Samson can't tell anybody where he got the honey from. It, that'll ruin the whole thing. Everybody go, you did what? Wedding's off. Bye. That's why he's not talking. He has to go through with the marriage to be positioned in place for the Lord's occasion against the Philistines. Okay, you're asking the question, because kind of I did, so why did Samson do all this? If this endangers, why did he do this? If this endangers his position that, he's, that we're trying to do, we're trying to get in among the Philistines, why would he dig in there and get that honey out? Why, why is he doing this stuff? We'll answer that question shortly. Like I said, uh, Samson's being kind of a knucklehead. I'm one too. <laughs> we know we all are. We'll get to that. Judges 14 and 10. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there, for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Okay, so while we're on the subject of violating Nazarite vows, because we've already seen him do that by reaching into a dead body of a lion, let me suggest another possible layer onto the trouble that Samson is making here. It does not directly say this in the passage, but there in verse 10, it says Samson gave a feast. Typically, that feast involved drinking wine. That's a marriage feast. They drank wine at a marriage feast. You remember when Jesus, his first miracle was turning water into wine. That was at a marriage party. And so it doesn't directly say so in the text, but it's very highly likely, it's possible, possible that Samson might have participated in drinking of the wine, given his track record. We're seeing his track record. He's breaking vows all the time, right? So that's what they did at these uh, feasts. Uh, so he may have violated the Nazarite vow again. Nazarites aren't supposed to drink wine or even eat grapes. And Samson has gotten into a habit of violating vows. And we're eventually going to see another violation soon that's going to be played out again. Another violation that happens when his hair gets cut off because Nazarites are not supposed to have a razor touch their head. So we see a lot of Nazarite vows getting broken here. Nazarites never cut their hair. It was a, it was a sign of here's how long I've been in the vow, and th- that's just a mark. It's like this wedding ring. This is a mark on me that means I belong to somebody. I'm devoted to my wife. That long hair meant I'm devoted in a Nazarite vow to God. That's what the picture was. But we're going to see that play out again. There's a lot of vows being broken here. In keeping, when we keep up with these violations, we'll see that later when his hair gets cut, that's when God will remove the Spirit's power from Samson. Okay, so we see him already committing these things he's not supposed to do. And so these 30 companions here in verse 11 that were brought to him, these were friends that would have been provided by the Philistine family. And so Samson is marrying in, and 30 Philistines are brought up to party with him. And things are getting set up for the, for the Lord for a strike against the Philistines. Judges 14 and 12. Then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. 
But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days, they could not explain the riddle. Okay. So Samson, he puts a wager on the riddle. He doesn't just give them a riddle. He puts a wager on it to kind of heighten things up. Let's make this real interesting. <laughs> he's, he's looking to pick a fight. <laughs> so let's put a wager on it. Remember, the Lord is setting things up to strike against the Philistines. And so this wagering up is going to increase the pressure. Now, remember, Samson told nobody what happened with the lion. He didn't even tell his parents. He told nobody. And so that's why he structured his riddle around what he did with this lion. That's what this is about. That's what the riddle is about. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. He's telling this riddle to test the Philistines to see if they are aware of the great strength God gave him. He's wanting to know, do they know what I did with this lion? He wants people to think he's an ordinary guy so he can infiltrate the Philistines with the element of surprise. And so I think the reason he heightened the wager so that if anyone knew about his strength, they would have this big desire to gain all these nice clothes, and that would make them admit admit that they know what he did. Yeah, I know what you did. You killed that lion over there. Where's my clothes, man? Come on. He heightened it up to make somebody cough it up. If any one of these 30 guys, anybody knew, and he gave them all, this whole seven days to figure it out, if anybody knew, they would want to say that they knew because they would get something out of it. If nobody can answer the riddle, then Samson would be assured that his strength was a secret. So it was going to work out. See if anybody knows what I did. This riddle and the wager is what Samson is going to use to make the Philistines admit it if they know about him, or it's going to show Samson that he still has the element of surprise. Judges 14 and 15. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother, so should I explain it to you? Now she had wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted, and it happened on the seventh day that he told her. All right, here's what it is. Then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. She went and told. Now remember, the Philistines are not Samson's friends. They are a very rough and wicked people who have been oppressing Israel. And so they're going to resort to cheating to get the answer to this riddle. That's the kind of people they are. They don't, and they threatened her. They're going to resort to cheating. They're going to make threats over a wager that they agreed to. Remember they said, pose your riddle. They stepped in it. Now deal with it. Now that you don't have to cheat. If you ask me, I'd say if you can't take it, you shouldn't have jumped into it. So they're, they're cheating. And they even implied that Samson's wife was involved in a scheme to steal from them when they asked, did you invite us to take what's ours? And so they're also blaming her, threatening her to get what they want. 
Does that sound anything like our society today? They will blame you and they will threaten you and, and they will attack you to get what they want for their gain. I hate it. It's terrible. Sore losers. So they agreed to take this riddle publicly, but now they're mad they can't figure it out. And they think Samson is going to make a fool out of them, and they won't stand for it because they are the Philistine oppressors. We're supposed to be better than you. They don't want to take that from Samson. They want to know what the answer is. They want the upper hand. And so she nags Samson for seven days. Who left? (laughs) Was that you, Anna? (laughs) My wife. She nagged him for seven days. You just made that whole section of the message so much better. That'll wear anybody out. But this is also where we start to see the flaw in Samson, the weakness in this big, strong man that can tear lions apart with his bare hands, but women could make him cave in. There's a weakness there. And so she gets the answer, and she betrays Samson, the man that she had just married, that she's supposed to be devoted to, right? And hands it to the Philistines, gives it straight to them. Can you all see all the deceit that's going around? Everybody is doing wrong all kind of ways. The Lord is setting up the one little spark that's going to ignite an explosion that will be the big fight against the Philistines. Judges 14 and 18. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not solved my riddle. Woo, plowed with my heifer. (laughs) I read that and I thought, whoa, Nelly. Things did not work out the way Samson thought it would go, did it? This didn't work out quite the way he thought. And you can tell it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to by how mad he is because his wife betrayed him. And now this calling her a heifer, I like to look at biblical context, what things meant back then, and I'm here to tell you, calling a woman a heifer meant the same thing back then as it does right now, okay? (laughs) He's so mad. He called her a big, fat, stupid cow. And it means the same thing. And just for some fun, I have the biblical proof of it. Jeremiah 50 and 11. Because you have grown fat like a heifer, threshing grain. There it is. Hosea 4.16, Israel is stubborn like a stubborn heifer. Stubborn, stupid, fat cow. That's what he called her. Whew, the Philistines got mad. Samson's wife got mad, and now Samson, boy, I tell you what, he is mad. (laughs) This whole thing just backfired on him, didn't it? Backfired on him. Guys, don't you ever go call your wives that. What's in the Bible? Samson did it. I can do it too. No, you can't. Don't do that. This whole thing just backfired. But you know what? Even in man's best efforts, it's still never enough to thwart the plans of God. Because the Lord set out to start an offense against the Philistines, and despite Samson's goofing around and messing around, violating vows, trying to plan things out the way he thinks it should turn out, it is the Lord who wanted to start the occasion with the Philistines his way, not man's way, and now here it comes. Flame on. Watch. 
Judges 14, 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Eshkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back up to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. Samson's wager backfired big time. Didn't work. Guys, don't, when, when the Lord wants to use you, don't get cocky. And don't try to help God out. It won't work good for you. It's still going to work for God. But it's not going to work so good for you. Samson, I think, tried to put his own help in there. He tried to put his own plans. God, I see what's going on. I'll help. I'll I'll come up with some of this. And it didn't work out. It backfired. He thought he had this whole thing in the bag. He just knew he'd be the one receiving the clothing, not the other way around. And so for all this time, he's been trying to keep his big secret. But now that the whole thing just blew up in his face, now the secret is out using his strength to kill 30 Philistines to steal their clothing so that he could cover his side of the wager. He didn't even have 30 garments to give when he made the wager, did he? He had to go kill 30 guys to get it. He wasn't expecting to lose. And then after all that, he goes back home and he loses his wife. Not a good turnout. But this incident here has now set in motion according to the Lord's divine plan a series of violent events, violent conflicts between Samson and the Philistines, which in the end are going to end up fulfilling what the angel of the Lord said to Samson's parents back in chapter 12, that he will begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So now I want to wrap up by saying, I know that Samson confuses you. He confuses me. His life is full of contradiction. He's a Nazarite that breaks the vows. He's super strong, yet he had a major moral weakness with women. We're going to find out in the upcoming chapters that he's a womanizer and that he's very vengeful. But one clear thing that we can see in Samson's life is that God can use flawed, contradictory, messed up people to still accomplish his will. I am proof of that, just as much as Samson is. I lived a contradictory life. I lived a life that confused people. I went against vows. I did things that was against my word. I got into fights. I got into problems. And the Lord still used me. It still came out to fulfill God's will. Now, I want you to keep that snapshot in your mind as we study further into Samson's life, keeping a parallel onto yourself. Knowing that even when you mess up, even when you try really hard to do something and only fail, you ever done that? You ever try to really do something so hard and it just didn't work? And now you're frustrated, you're upset? The Lord Almighty can still use that. He can still use you because His plans, His direction exceed beyond you and me. I've tried things many times that didn't work and it failed, and I lost, and it hurt, and it was painful. That doesn't mean the Lord gave up on you. That doesn't mean the Lord's not going to fulfill his will in your life. That just means you tried to help a little too much. (laughs) God's still going to do what he's going to do. 
to accomplish His will. For me, uh, for example, I can't even begin to tell you how much I mess up or how many times I've tried to make something happen and it didn't work, how frustrated I've been when things didn't turn out the way I thought it should. Samson thought, this wager's going to come back to my gain, and it didn't. I like this woman. She pleases me. Lost her. He tried to play his little tactics. He did some things he shouldn't have done, and it just totally didn't go right. But despite all the loss, despite all the pain, and even embarrassment, Samson went back to his father's house, it said. I'm sure he was very embarrassed. Despite all the pain and the embarrassment from all the failures that I have experienced throughout my life, I can still see the victory of the Lord prevailing even in my worst moments. Can you see that in your life? You know the mistakes you've made. You know, you know the things you've done wrong. Can you see the Lord still uses you? Isn't that a hallelujah moment right there? That God can still do great things through somebody like me? You're no different. I'm no different than Samson. Take comfort because God accomplishes his will, not by your strength, but by his. And this is why, 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. This is the whole reason I'm a pastor, guys. God has chosen the foolish things, that's me, of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things, that's me too, the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God works through the small and the weak. It's a good deal. So what if you've messed up? Who cares? So what if you're weak? So what if you feel like you're a big failure and you just lose all the time? So what? God can still use you. And that makes you a conqueror because of him, not because of you. Samson never tore that lion up on his own power. You will never conquer your problems and your hurdles on your own power. The more you try to do it yourself, the more you're going to mess it up. So maybe we need to learn from the story of Samson and stop and hit the pause button for a minute and say, Lord, I I just mess up everything I touch. Lord, I need your power. Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. And he will empower you to do what needs to be done. God can still use you. You know, I, I had this Bible cover for a long, I still have it at home. And on the front of the Bible cover, there was a verse on the side of it that said, Psalm 138.8, it says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Take comfort in that. I don't think there's anything God can do with Ray, uh, with me, Ray. I, I'm so messed up. I, I fail at everything. I'm just, I'm nothing. No, God can fulfill his purpose for, for you still, regardless. It's good news. Did you know that God has a purpose for you? It says it right there in the Bible. God has a purpose. You feel like you have no purpose in your life because of the mistakes you made and the failures you've done. I want you to know God has purpose for your life. Just designed just for you. It's a purpose that involves you in things that you only you can do that I cannot. So take confidence in the Lord that He is going to use you and that you are not worthless. You are priceless. You have great worth. You have great purpose. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life 
is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.